The Table 40 Podcast with Matt and Leslie Holiday is presented by Sports Spectrum and the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more shows and stories on the intersection of sports and faith, check out sportsspectrum.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Table 40. Uh, Matt and Leslie here, and today's guest is a former teammate. I can't believe it's your 11th year, first of all, um, but going into his 11th, 11th, is that right? Yeah. 11th major league. I got the, I got the big old 10 this year. Nice. Yeah, I saw 10 years, 119 days. Uh, yep. Played with the Cardinals, where I played with him. Played with Minnesota, New York, Texas, and now the White Sox. Lance Lynn is a World Series champion. And the last three years, you've been in the top 10 in Cy Young. You got third this year. And I think if you didn't have the knee issue, you'd probably ran away with it. Um, thanks for coming on, buddy. He's in an airport right now. So he's talking through a mask and a giant beard. So if it's a little muffled, it's because he's got a giant beard and a mask. He's obeying the rules. <laughs> yep. How are you, buddy? Oh, yeah. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're excited. We're excited to see you. It's been a long time. And, um, but I mean, we have been keeping up with your career on, on TV and all the games. It's been fun to follow you. And, and it was great because when, when Matt and you guys started playing together, it was, your, it was your very beginning of your career. And I remember your very first all-star game, we were there in Kansas city and it was just, it's just been fun to, to watch your journey unfold. And um, we're rooting for you all the time. So I'm glad you're you're on the podcast too. All right, uh, appreciate it. So, just what we usually start at the beginning, but I just want to get this out of the way. So, when you're, I mean, you played for Tony, I guess, what, just one year? Yeah, I had him. My, that was my rookie year in '11. Yeah. Okay. So, when he got hired with the White Sox, were you surprised? What was your reaction? Uh, you know what? It was crazy. I was well. You look at him retired for ten years, and then to come back, you're surprised. But the fact that he never left the game, so everyone's like, "Oh, he's been away." It's like he was in every front office around the league yeah. for the last ten years. So I wasn't surprised that he wanted to manage again. You just kind of surprised that in, in this day and age, a manager like him, with the way the game's going, that he was even, he would even get the opportunity to be thought of. But him and Jerry go back so long that it was kind of a perfect fit for both of them. And Jerry's trying to make a run in another World Series championship. And you look at a guy like Tony to come in with a Hall of Fame manager and everything he's done. I, I wasn't surprised by that. But, uh, you know, definitely in this day and age with a manager like him, you're looking at young managers year in and year out that are sabermetric minded and all that. So definitely uh, a little bit of a surprise. But right when he got traded over, I knew, or right when he got drafted, I heard, what he did he got signed i knew i was going to get traded over it was a weird feeling so <clears throat> telling how was it how was it you know as an older manager coming into a younger game and you guys have had some outspoken younger players about the game being different how, how did he handle that was there was it a smooth transition did he address that kind of thing early yeah, you look at Tony's always been a, a communicator. The question is, is would is it a way that you can understand it? Because he has the ability to uh, be a little bit. Uh, um, I guess when I was younger, it was one of those things that it was intimidating and things like that. But he did a great job right from the beginning in spring training. Um, I guess when I was young, he just kind of told you this was how it was going to be, and you did it. 
and that's what I was used to. So this this time around, he made sure he explained everything. He let everyone know what the ideas were, why why they were doing them, and what the thought process was behind them. And if you do it that way, guys have nothing to say, especially if you have an open door policy like he always has. Guys come in and ask questions, and he answers. That's good. You like you like playing for Johnny? Yeah. No, I, I just think it's fascinating that <clears throat> that you have, like you said, a lot of these young managers, and then to think that somebody who's had his his experience and all the things that he's done in the game that he somehow would lose the ability to to manage people is is seems crazy to me. And I think that. When you talk about bridging old school and new school, I mean, Dave Duncan and Tony LaRusso have been shifting and, and doing spray charts for 50 years. And to think that somehow that, that this new game has been reinvented since these guys and passed them by, I, I thought was was crazy. And, and you know, I, if the guy wants to do it, I, I was just, you know, it's cool to me to see Tony and in, in, in kind of bridging that that old school, new school. And, and obviously you have to be somewhere in the middle, in my opinion. So. I was just excited that that uh, you know he was going to be doing it, and as long as he's healthy, I, I think it's he's you know I think he'll do a good job. Oh yeah, he did. He did awesome, and we we had a good time with it. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs in the season, but he was able to navigate through it like he always has. So um, you know, you look at like you said with Tony and, and Dunk, they were doing things that uh, now they put numbers on them sabermetrically before anyone else did them. So now there's just numbers behind the reason why they do it. They used to do it with gut and feel and no one had any reason why or whatever, but now they, now they do. Yeah. All right, Lance, let's talk about little Lance. However, I'm sure he was <laughs> a little of a Lance. <laughs> younger Lance. Younger Lance. Yeah. And so when did your baseball career begin and how, when did you know that, man, this is what I want to do. I'm really good at this. Uh, well, I mean, it's easy to say it was when I was 12, when you play in the Little League World Series and you're on that, you're kind of like, hey, we're pretty good. We had a good team. But, you know, when you're one of the best players on eight teams in the world, um, when you're 12, you're like, oh, I got a chance to do something. Um, but I, I just kept growing and I kept enjoying it. Uh, so that helped. Uh, but when I was a little, I had an older brother who's 12 years older than me, so I would tag along with him everywhere. So I kind of got uh, beat up and, and grew up faster than I was supposed to um, in that realm. And then it was just him, myself, and my dad. My dad played slippage softball, so I was on slippage softball fields. Uh, you know, I was at high school games with my older brother, and then uh, everyone was like, who's this little kid? Um, you know, I was like six years older, but I thought I was like 12. So <laughs> I just kind of grew <laughs> kept. I grew up in it, and I kind of had no choice to play sports. And But the good thing is I enjoyed it, and I learned how to compete, and I learned how to really enjoy competing, uh, sometimes at a at an angry level. But, you know, you <laughs> learn that, you learned that as you go on. That's amazing. So what position did you play in slow pitch softball? No, he was at the <laughs> well, when I, was, I feel like well, his dad I, probably would have thrown him out there if they needed a player. There there was a game. I was I think I was 12 or 13 years old where they needed a guy one time and I'm sitting there playing left field and never I was like what are we doing out here? Um and everyone thought I was old enough. I think he had to be 18 to play in the league. So they just they allowed it to happen. <laughs> okay, so you you get to high school and you're a really good player, and you end up going to Ole Miss. Talk us through that process and what was that like for you, and how did you pick your college, and and what were your other options? Uh, it was crazy. Uh, you know, you, you at Indiana, you don't get a whole lot of looks in baseball. Uh, so uh, we started going to all the showcases and stuff. Uh, we couldn't really afford them, so I kind of got lucky. Went to uh, I think it was a 
perfect game thing in Florida. Only only tournament I ever went to through one game. Uh, next thing I know, I had offers from Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, and pretty much every Big Ten school after everyone thought I was just going to get drafted and signed because uh, we, you know, like I said, didn't come from a very wealthy family. So it was, hey, wherever he gets drafted, he's going to accept whatever money. And then went on some recruiting trips, um, enjoyed it, uh, went to Ole Miss, um, and it was you – know, I enjoyed going to Tennessee and stuff like that too. Uh, it was just something weird. When I went to Ole Miss, I just enjoyed it. It was a small town, but they had everything you needed for a college life. And I came from a small town in Indiana, so – um, and the head coach uh, seemed to be a good fit for me. And, um, you know, he kind of was my dad away from my dad when I was in college, which was needed because uh, I had some growing up to do leaving home for sure. Yeah. And so whenever that's interesting that you say that, because like not growing up in, in a wealthy family and everyone making these assumptions about the decision that you're going to make. Um, how did how did you how did you decide Lance Jack? I mean, you're not going to believe this, but he's a senior in high school and. He's having the meetings right now with, you know, the teams coming in and, and sitting there visiting with him about what it looks like to play pro baseball and stuff, which is kind of funny since he grew up in it, but that's there, but it is interesting, like to determine um, how to make that decision. That's a huge decision as a young athlete to say, no, I'm going to go ahead and go to school. Yeah. My, my grandma was uh, a big end of my life. She helped me through a lot of things. And she always told me that to get the opportunity to go to college, you need to make sure you, you, you try to do it because no one in my family at that point had even attended a four-year university. Um, so that was a big thing. Um, you know, I got offered a little money, got drafted in a six round of high school, but instead of going, she told me, she's like, you go to college, I'll make sure that you have everything you need and eat and live and all that. And, uh, you know, she was retired, but working the job to make sure that I could get through college. So if it wasn't for her, I probably would have had to take whatever money they gave and, uh, and went, but she made sure with my scholarship and, and everything that she's doing that I was able to get through college. And, you know, I, I love her for it because that opportunity, I don't know if I would have made it going out of, out of high school. I was, uh, I was a little bit of a wild card. So uh, I got away from home at a young age with a little bit of money in my pocket. I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you talk about, you know, being small from a small town and then going to a college that's in a little bit of a smaller town environment, do you think that's a good strategy? I mean, we live in Stillwater now and Oklahoma State's in a smaller, smaller community. Do you think that that's a, a good strategy to recruit kids that are kind of smaller town or, you know, used to a little bit smaller environment? Uh, I think so. I think that there's a, there's a sense of confidence that won't be overwhelming when they get there. Um, you know, I remember going on some recruiting trips to, you know, some bigger schools in uh, the Midwest. And, you know, it would have been, I think it would have been all right. Um, but I think when you walk into a giant university with 40,000 students and stuff like that, it could be, could be overwhelming for a kid. Um, I went to Ole Miss. I think my first class I went to, I think I had 20 kids in my class. So it felt like a, like a high school class. And then my first big class was uh, like freshman biology. I think I had like 150 people in class. So I was like, ooh, this is new. Um, but when you can get anywhere around the town within 10 minutes and, you know, you got some in the South, they, uh, you know, they treat you like your brothers right when you show up. So it was a good fit for me. And it was something that I was, you know, kind of needed. And uh, it got me away from home, but it got me away from home in an area where I could uh, not be overwhelmed because of the big city. All right. So as a college athlete, um I don't have your stats in front of me, but I'm assuming that you dominated. But was there ever a was there ever a period of time where 
adversity was was a thing for you during your college career and how did you navigate that because we've had an opportunity Lance it's been so cool and if you're ever in Oklahoma we would love for you to come and hang out with our Bible study kids but it's been so cool to get to know these kids and and watch them and and hopefully help them navigate some highs and lows that they're experiencing as college athletes because I think kids that the level at Ole Miss and in Oklahoma State and Division One schools, man, they were the best player on their high school team. And high school wasn't a challenge, so to speak. And then when we get to college, like the competition is um, a little bit greater. And so, what was your story like? Were you just were you just should I have done more research? Did you just like kill it in college? And this is a dumb question, or did you ever run into some hard times? No, I ran into some hard times. So when I showed up, uh, Coach Bianco had this rule: you got to make it two mile in fourteen minutes. I've never ran a mile in my life. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> two and 14. I agree. He, he was like, Hey, you got to make it in 14 minutes. And I was like, I've never ran a mile under eight minutes. One, let alone two in a row. Yeah. How about crazy. I get one mile in 14 minutes and we got a deal. Yeah. Let's we got, yeah, we got a deal. So yeah, I struggled with that. And you couldn't practice till you pass it. So my freshman fall was like, I'm out of here. I can't pass this. I'm going, I'm going back to junior college and I'm going to get drafted again. I'm, College is not for me, uh, you know, in high school, like you said, you're the best best player on the team. So didn't really have to work. It was kind of easy. I worked at my craft of pitching and stuff like that with mechanics and all that. But when it came to anything else, I never even lifted a weight in high school. So I got to college and I was like, what are we doing? I just came here to play baseball. I didn't come here to, to lift weights and run. I was like, I don't have to run the ball across home plate. What are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, was, that was a wake-up call in my freshman fall for sure. <laughs> that's a did he did, did he do that forever or did eventually did he say like oh i almost ran off lance lynn i better reevaluate my did you strategy. ever end up making it like how did you make it uh, yeah i made it in 1359 <laughs> is, is that your greatest athletic feat to date oh yeah and i and then he had a rule that if you had a 3.0 in college you in each semester you didn't have to run it so I made sure I was a 3.0 student in college when I wasn't one in high school, just so I didn't have to run a two mile ever again. That's good motivation. <laughs> we should start. Oh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> That's a really good motivation to keep kids getting good grades. Good. Yeah, yeah, I, be I became a great student just because <laughs> I didn't want to run again. That's incredible. <laughs> but you did it. You did it. You so nailed it. You get third in the side yeah. young, but it's no, I mean, pales in compared to the time you ran two miles in 1358. <laughs> I mean, nine. 59. Yeah. 59. Yeah. I don't know. Dan McDonald, he's a coach at Louisville now. He had, he had a great stopwatch that day. Oh, okay. Good. Cause he wanted to get <laughs> in the ball. That's smart. Well, yeah. He was the one. Yeah. He was the one who recruited me. He's like, hey, you're going to be one of our guys. I got to, you got to pass it today. He's you're like, going to make it today. I got the watch. I know. I remember at the end, I was just toast. And he's like, 1359. I was like, yeah, it was. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yes, it was. All right. Well, let's talk sure about was. draft day, Lance. Let's talk about that day. What was that like for you? Uh, it was it was kind of weird because we had just got eliminated from the uh, regional. Um, so you're kind of like, you're down on yourself because we had a pretty decent team. And we just, we kind of underperformed that year, my, my junior year. Um, so even you get drafted the next week, you're sitting there. I think we had, there's like four or five of us that were getting drafted in a decent spot. So we're all just sitting there, um, just watching TV, uh, having a little get together at, at, in college. I was still at the university. So, um, next thing I know, it came across a, a, 
uh, line uh, St. Louis drafted Michael Lynn, and everyone was like, I was like, yeah, that's me. That's my first name. No one knew that was my first name. Who's this? Uh, so, so that was fun. He's like, who's that? Did we have that on our guy on our team? I was like, dude, that's me. Because I've been known that for three years. My first name's Michael. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of cool. But it was weird because St. Louis never even talked to me in, like, the draft process. I never met the scout or anything. Wow. Uh, I think – yeah, so whoever the farm director was at the time saw me pitch in the SEC tournament two weeks before and was like, if this guy falls to us, we're taking him. I think I punched out 12 against Georgia, and that was that was kind of it. So that, that was how I got drafted. I was surprised that they took me because I was at one point I thought I was going to go to, I think, the Yankees at 44 was what I was hearing. So it ended up being a good fit, too. Yeah, absolutely. Really good fit. All right, so you, you make it to the minor leagues and, and you make it to the to the major leagues and, and uh, your first year you win a World Series. And then talk to us about a little bit about, I don't know, just kind of your experience of, of through the minor leagues and then in, early in the major leagues of, of things you learned or um, guys you leaned on or just some some stuff that 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 helped propel you to now being an 11 year veteran, still pitching at, at an all star level. What are the things early in your career do you think you learned that maybe had you not might have, I don't know, you, you, you wouldn't be what you are today? Um, I think the big thing right away was I bounced, uh, like my first year, I, I, hit, I went from high A all the way to triple A. So I was all over the place. Um, so you learn to adapt quick. You're like new level, new team um, out of high school and college. You're playing with the same guys for, you know, multiple years at a time. Um, you get to... I got, I, yeah, I was on three different teams in, in the same year. So it was kind of a weird, you just learned to adapt. You learned to figure out who you are because when you walk into a clubhouse, you don't know who you are. You're just going to, you're going to feel lost. So on the, along the way, you try to figure out who you are. You try to figure out people that, uh, you know, do similar things to you. So you have common interests and find friends as you go. Um, so I wasn't much of a talker, uh, to be honest, coming out of high school or in college. I had my little group and all that. And then, all of a sudden, I just learned how to kind of communicate with people, uh, learned how to, uh, you know, understand, you know, who I was and how I could, you know, find friends along the way. Because it's easy to find friends. You're going to be teammates. So you're automatically friends. But, you know, actually getting down on a deeper level where you can actually communicate and, and have some substance behind it. So and then it kind of grew as I as I got older and I, you know, got to the major leagues. I found guys like you, Westbrook, Wainwright, you know, big carps so it was one of those things that i just kind of found my way found good people to help me along the way and you know had a little different uh you know i've always taken a little bit from everybody as i've have i played with and it's, it's helped and i've had good good veteran teammates and now now i'm the old guy it's kind of weird it happens, <laughs> fast. It happens fast. absolutely <laughs> absolutely i'm good no so so now you're the you're the older guy. Talk talk to us about the last five years of your life, like and and getting into your faith a little bit, and just um, just maturity, like and just noticing, like just you know you've grown up a lot in the last five ten years, and and just kind of walk us through kind of your 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 faith element of your life and and where you're at today, and and some of the things you've learned and, and struggles and and overcoming those struggles, and just kind of an update on on the last five years of your life. I find that uh, that men don't grow up till they're like 28 to 30. So it's been, uh, it was right around the time when I did. Um, I think the big thing was I went through a lot of stuff personally and 
uh, and professionally at the same time, whether I was getting hurt, um, you know, I went through a divorce. It was kind of a weird time. Um, and I was lost. Um, but you're, you know, my whole life I had, I had baseball, I had everything that you want, you know, I kind of was on my own. Uh, it felt like, so it was kind of me doing my thing against the world. And then you realize when you look down and you're not on a field, you don't have people around you and you're kind of by yourself. You're like, man, who am I? Who am I as a person? You know, what kind of human being I am? Um, you know, I've always been a believer. The question was, was I was just, was it just, you know, where and why was it easy? Uh, were you doing it to be easy or that? And there was kind of an in-depth look that I had to take. And then I was able to kind of move forward and grow a little bit. Went through some downtime, obviously. Um, but you grow and, and you figure out some things. And you find people that are more uh, help build you up instead of kind of hold you down to your I guess your past and your, you know, your past things that were, it's easy. It's easy to, you know, not do the things that you need to do because they're always, like I said, sin's always like the easiest thing to get you, get your hands off. Is the weirdest thing. And, you know, to be a believer and, and, did, and do the things you need to do, you got to put in the work and the time. And uh, it was something that I had all of a sudden. So I was able to kind of find my way through it. Um, I fought it. I'm not going to lie. You, you fight it because it's, it's hard. Um, and then I found, my wife now and she helped me along the way more than any person in my life and we connected on a level that's you know helped me and then I had I had two little ones with her and then she's like man I don't want my kids to grow up with the uh, with the you know when I was growing up I didn't really have I didn't know the bible stories and stuff like that it was weird I always believed in a higher power I just didn't know where or why or whatever happened so I wanted all my kids to know that uh, at the time, you know, my oldest daughter's nine. So we have three daughters. We want to teach them everything we can possibly teach them so they can choose their path and, and make sure that they know everything they possibly can. So they're not like me as an adult feeling like, Hey, I don't know anything about this. So I'm kind of embarrassed. So I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You say that that's what, when Matt and I were younger, I grew up in a church. And so I, knew all the story. I knew the answers right to the questions. And even though I wasn't walking with the Lord, um, I still knew all about him. Right. And so, cause I was raised in the church and, but then Matt wasn't raised in the church. And when he was like interested or there was a curiosity about Jesus, he was always afraid to go to Bible study because he didn't want anybody to call on him (laughs) because it is. I didn't know the stories. Yeah. 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 And you feel, you feel nervous. And then, and then all all of a sudden when uh, I remember one time I was in a Bible study in Lansburg, loved him to death, but he goes on this tangent one time and I'm like, I am so lost. I, yeah. I don't even, <laughs> and, and then I was like, and then I looked at you and you're like, well, I know what he's talking about, but I'm kind of lost too. And then I was like, that helped me. And I was like, okay, so I'm not alone in this. So that's good. I remember growing up, I always felt alone because I was always lost. Or I was like, what story are they talking about? I was like, that's one of the basic stories. How do you know that? I was like, I don't know. Didn't get read to as a kid. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. it can be. It can be hard. That it can be overwhelming. I think like the beauty of the Christian faith is like when we boil it down, it's very, very simple. And like Jesus sees us, Jesus loves us, and Jesus just want Jesus wants to be with us. And so I don't know. I just think that um, all the all the different stories, all the different things that we it can come. It can sometimes be very overwhelming and and we can kind of miss the main thing sometimes whenever especially when lance goes off on all of his tangents it's funny we have our (laughs) we have our bible study with our our players and a lot of the local college kids and you got to 
like we want them to interact, right? It's one Leslie and I talking at them, but at the same time, I I know like the guys that are like, don't don't call on me, don't call on me. So you, you pick the couple kids you know you're that are comfortable talking. So like, hey Dylan, what do you think about this? You know, instead of because I know I know I was the guy over there that didn't want to be called on, but we're trying to get them to interact and talk and you know participate. But it's funny because I was the kid over there that I was like, oh no, please God, don't. Don't call yeah, me. I'm, I don't know. I'm looking I'm down. I'm looking down. Don't call yeah. me. My body. I'm not here right now. Yeah. <laughs> My body language <laughs> said, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm focused on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as a believer now, Lance, and, and you and your wife, and, and going into the um, 11th year of, of your career, what what kind of things do you do when when you see younger players and you recognize because what happens i've noticed in in baseball whether it's my role like as matt's wife or, or matt like you see people that you have that you see yourself in you know what i'm saying like you see younger players that you're like man i was i was like that guy a really long time ago and so what sorts of ways are are you and diamond um encouraging i don't know encouraging younger players to to find who they are and develop character. And um, I don't know, how are you leading them? Uh, for me, my biggest thing is like you said, we're, we're, I didn't know much. So I felt like at times I was being talked at or talked to, and this has been my whole life or like, like it's almost looked down upon because I didn't know as much as I should, or it wasn't, uh, I don't know, like I have a tendency to have a potty mouth. So I felt like people looked down on me, you know? And it was just one of those things where now as an older guy, I know, like, like you said, you can see those people that are like you. So, like, I see guys that, like, want to ask questions and all that, but I don't, uh, I guess I, I don't, like, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. I get to know them on a personal level and then kind of slowly introduce um, and ask questions. And, and, like, you know, you you know they're in Bible study with you. So, it's like, hey, man, what you have on that? And then as you get to know them on a personal level and all that, they're more willing to open up because you're like, and then if you're more willing to say, hey, I didn't understand this as much as especially a couple of years ago. And now I understand it more. And then you kind of you build those relationships that way instead of feeling like, um, hey, Lance has done or Lance is older and all that. So I can't approach it. And like I tried not to I try to make sure no matter what it is, whether it's personal life, faith life. Uh, baseball life, whatever it may be, you just try to make sure you're on a personal level with them where they feel like they can approach you and you don't look down upon them. You don't feel like you're like, I'm not trying to dad them. I don't know. It's like, it's all, all one thing where I just want them to feel comfortable where we can talk and, and there's no judgment and, you know, it's, we're just going to figure it out together. That's good. That's servant leadership. hundred percent. It's really good. Yeah. Really good. That's what we, that's, I think the best approach. I mean, just meeting people where they are and having a conversation and, and seeing where it goes, you know? And I think that that's absolutely the way Jesus did it. So, so you've got three daughters, like big, tough Lance Lynn. Like, are you, what kind of girl dad are you? Like, are you, I mean, are you big teddy bear dad or do you have to, how do you do? How's your, how's your, how's your temper? I know you, I mean, when I know, I mean, Grayson talks a lot. So girls yeah. talk a lot. And so I, have a t I know what you're saying is I have a tendency to where the problem is, is whenever they ask for something, I give them whatever they want. But I have this thing where it's like, hey, if you're not listening to me, like I get it's like I'm like, come on, I just gave you what you wanted. You Now you have to listen to me. Yeah. So it's like there's a trade off you know, this weird thing. 
yeah, there's a trade-off. Like, I'm going to be your best friend, but you're also going to do what I ask. <laughs> no, that's how um, this but, yeah, gonna go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this how that's like I'm gonna give you everything you need to have the most success you can possibly have in your life, but I'm gonna need you to mind me when I when I ask you to do something. Um, but so I, we struggle with that. Um, the oldest one is she does her thing. She's like an adult now, so it's weird. The two and a half year old is is definitely in the stage where she wants to do what she wants to do when she wants to do it. But man, she'll come up and tell me she loves me and give me a hug right after she did absolutely everything I told her not to. And I'm like, I get so irritated with her that I feel that I'm like, what is wrong? Like, we just talked about not doing that. And I realized, like, she's two and a half. It took you 34 years to not do what people were asking you to do. Seriously, parenting is humiliating. It's the most humiliating calling in the whole world. Well, I, I just, I mean... I just Diamond have to tell you to hey I got this like take a minute you can go breathe in the corner yeah yeah and it's like I'm like hey all right I got her to calm down I I need a minute myself because I don't want to get mad at her because she's not comprehending what I'm saying yeah. but like I have to tell myself all the time like dude you're just getting you're getting mad at a two and a half year old that doesn't know anything you're trying to accomplish right now so then we'll her. get we'll, we'll we'll calm down and, we'll, and then we get it we get it ironed out but. Right. She's definitely headstrong. I don't know where she gets it from, but that's part of the gig. Yeah. I can't imagine. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I wish you could see Matt and Reed, the youngest one, interact because you've never, you've been teammates with Matt. You've been around him a lot. You know him well. There's nobody in the whole world that talks to Matt Holiday the way Reed Holiday talks to Matt. The other day, he said, he looked at him and he said, just shut your face. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just my, everyone my, in the whole family is like, oh my gosh. The youngest one, like I don't he has no I mean <laughs> he's not like he we're usually good, but like he'll he cuts deep. Like he even the siblings, like he knows where he yeah. knows how to hit below the waist. Like he'll say stuff it's, and I'm like wow, you cut deep. Like mm -hmm. you like you go deep. But yeah, when you're young and you're small like that, you got to be able to get in there somehow. Uh, he knows, he knows where to go with all of them to cut them deep. That's, he just like, even the 14 was like, golly, Reed's a savage. Like, he just yeah. goes right, but he knows where to punch me right where I, I can't even say anything. Oh, it's funny. Parenting's hard. Parenting's hard. Okay, well, we would let's talk uh, pitching just a little bit. Matt will ask questions because I don't know the you're right questions pitching? to ask. Yeah. Because I think what's going to happen is they're going to say, oh, my gosh, Lance Lynn's on the podcast and <laughs> expect, like, some pitching wisdom. Well, what are you going to ask? I don't know. I was going to give this to you. This is me teeing you up to ask Lance. A he only throws question. one pitch. Well, then Nobody can relate to this guy because he throws it, a fastball. It goes, like, three different directions when I, I need it to do that. Fastball is, is, is it one goes this way, one goes this way. And now, you, I mean, you have been throwing a curveball and it's a little bit more, but. All right, so if you're going to tell our pitchers one thing that you've learned in pitching, what would you say? Like, how would you – how would, what would be the tip if you would give a college pitcher, a young college pitcher who's trying to figure out how to get outs? Um, I think the big thing is, is you got you got recruited for a reason. You have something that, uh, that got you there. So figure out how to make that as – keep your strengths as, as, as good as they possibly can keep building on them while slowly bringing your weaknesses as they come. Because if you try to change everything to make your weaknesses equal to your strength, you're going to lose your strength. So along the way, I figured out I was really good at throwing my fastball. I hit it. It looked 
have the old heavy ball back in the day, as they called it, which now we learned means spin rate. rate. So it's like one of those things, know what you do well, figure out how to make sure you keep that going and, and make it better and better. And then make every other pitch you have come off of that and make it look the same for as long as possible. And then that's how those those weaknesses become close to your strength and, and you can be a pretty good pitcher. Awesome. I'm try, to, I try to keep it simple. That's all, simple. Would you keep say fastball simple. command too? Like having to be able to locate your heater? Like... Yeah, so when you look at as a hitter, you know that you don't like to cover hard on all four quadrants. Yeah. So how am I going to figure out to, I'm going to try, you're trying to eliminate the side of the plate and you're trying to get something in the quadrant that you know you can do damage in. So the big thing I want to do is I'm trying to get, I got three different types of fastballs that I can go all four quadrants. So you can't sit on the side of the plate. You can't sit in a, in a, in a quadrant. So if you do that, it makes the hitter uncomfortable. Yeah, that's good. All right. I know you're, you're in an airport and this is, but okay. So last question for me, this is the question we asked everybody at the end. It's table 40. So it's kind of like, pretend like tonight you're around a big table. You can pick anybody to be there. You got six or eight guests. Your wife and kids are already there. Six or eight guests. They could be dead. They could be alive. It could be anybody. Who is it? And what what is the, the meal of choice? Ooh. Well, the meal is easy. That's, that's steak and potatoes. And maybe, and maybe and some wine. Is that's there a, that's a, a no doubter. steak that you've had along the way that you would say, okay, this steak from this place is coming? Man, uh, I think it was uh, it was it's steak forty four in, in Scottsdale. I had some some wagyu caps one night, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted in my life. Melted, and it kind of it melted in my mouth, and I was like, where has this been my whole life? And then, <laughs> and then I real and then I realized that like the stuff that I was eating when I was younger was a little different. I was gonna uh, say, what, what would poor, poor little Lance Lynn and and when you were fourteen, what would he have thought about the fact that you probably said, paid? Like, he would have said, he said, you paid that much for what? Yeah, give me that money. <laughs> give me that money. Yeah, I can get, I can go to the dollar menu at McDonald's like for a year straight with that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what he would have said. But yeah, you know that eight guests, man, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, six uh, or eight, whatever. Yeah, I think you're looking at you got to think some baseball people. I've always been a huge fan of uh, like the Yankees growing up, and it's because of my dad. So like, if I could have like a a Babe Ruth sit at a table, um, just because of the guy hit and pitched in the major leagues, um, that would be that would be a, a interesting. I think he'd be interesting at a dinner table. I think he likes steak. He probably yeah. would like something besides wine. Yeah, but. Uh, I think he'd drink whatever. Yeah, I think I, it sounded like he would. If he, if you had it, he'd drink it. I'm here for what it. Sounded party. like, but, yeah. yeah. He'd be here for the party. He, he was definitely always thirsty. It sounded like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, you you start looking back at who am I thinking of? Uh, you could put me on the spot on this one. Well, we, we've had you know we've had uh, like kind of old people we've had like teammates you know you kind of go with the you know the michael jordans the tom brady's the john woodens the uh abraham lincoln's the you know we've had we've had a wide range couple that we had to edit out uh yeah i, I tell you what you you say abraham i, I live in southern illinois i play in, in chicago now so but i did watch a i did watch a documentary on abraham the other day about his about you know as when we grow up you know a lot of things have changed in our life especially uh recently with a lot of the movements and stuff like that and to see 
we're taught as kids that Abraham Lincoln was somebody that wanted to get rid of racism because he, because he, that's what he thought. I mean, he didn't believe in it, but he also didn't, didn't, wasn't one to be like, Oh, we shouldn't, that black people should have the same, uh, the same abilities and the same uh, things that white people that he had to slowly become into that over his time. And it was because of certain things. I watched a documentary on it. It was actually very, very informative. And I've always been a Lincoln guy. And then it was just like to see him grow as a human being over his course, not only becoming president, but while he was president uh, along the way was, it was cool to me because I don't think it was something that you get taught growing up as much. So I think it'd be cool to have him at the table to kind of, hear his processes as he learned along the way and things like that um you got uh oh man who else we got that's a good one damn it's crazy any old old pictures that you would uh how about it'd be it'd be fun to it'd be fun to uh, sit there with uh i mean we got some old one ones you can think about too. About, pick a teammate from the Cardinals, the Twins, the Yankees, and the Rangers, Ooh. and the White Sox. Okay, you got you got all. We got you can go all kinds of different ways with this. So you got we'll go we'll go Cardinals wise. I'll tell you what, I love everybody that I had in the Cardinals, but Jake Westbrook was my dude. <laughs> and Colin, um, like you're gonna laugh if he's there then uh, then the fun I, came I, to I, town I know, I know you, you gotta have the, some you have to have some some of that some laughter at a dinner table for I sure say, i know um, you come to the reunion but we had a blast like i heard i heard good things yeah he was in rare form uh, that was- <laughs> um and then you got well we've got from there i went to minnesota or minnesota uh brian brian dozier was was a hoot in minnesota um and we both played against each other in college down in Mississippi. So we have some some um, things that we have in common down there. And then you go to New York, and, and it's no doubt CC um, with everything that he not only accomplished in the game, the things he's accomplishing now after the game and stuff like that. Uh, you go to, oh, man, Texas. I got, I've got three guys in Texas that I could choose from, but I got to go with my with, – I got to go with my catcher though, Jeff Mathis. Okay. You got a guy who just grinded his butt off for 14 years as a player, and uh, he, you know, he was he was one of my one of one of the good ones. And then, oh, Chicago now. We're looking, I'll tell you what. When you want to, some conversation at a table that um, can can spark some spark some conversation. Lucas Giolito for a guy who. Who he'll tell you yourself, he was silver spoon coming out of high school uh, out there in LA. But he's he's very knowledgeable and he's got a lot of a lot of insight. But he's not afraid to listen and have a conversation, which is which is was pretty awesome. And we had a lot of a lot of fun with that throughout the year this year because we come from two totally different upbringings, and it's it's always fun to it's always fun to give each other a little bit and uh, and see where it goes. That's awesome. So that would probably be my table. There we go. All right. It's a good table, yeah. man. That's a good table. Man, this was fun. Yeah, so thanks for good. coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, run into you down the line. And uh, They need to come to Oklahoma. Yeah, you can come down here and teach teach some pitching a little bit if you get bored. Yeah, teach it, teach a few hunt theater grips and see hunt which something. way it goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Hudson, thanks. Yeah. Come down here. Uh, yeah, I hear. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, making sure my layover felt shorter. There you go. Good. I took up all your time. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate yep, you coming on. And awesome. give me a big space. Awesome.
Tell her Grace I will. Yeah. hello. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, she's looking forward to it. We've got she actually goes hunting with me, so we'll see what she does this week. Oh, oh that's nice. a different girl, Dad. Uh perspective. <laughs> that's yeah. good. She wants to she plays she plays she plays softball, rides horses, and hunts. So here we go. Oh we'll see what she's got. Nice. She's got a little bit of everything. <laughs> skills. She's she's getting there. Uh she's got uh she's got the uh the desire to be good and sometimes that comes with a bad attitude when she loses, but we're working we're That's working cool. on getting through that. But you don't like to lose, it makes a good uh yeah. good chance to uh you know be a be a decent player because you gotta work at it. What position does she play? She's been playing catcher and shortstop, pitching a little bit, but she likes to she likes catcher the most because she, she likes blocking the ball. So not surprised by that, but she's like, I like to pitch, but um, I like catching better because uh, I don't know. I feel more and more. And good. I was like, all right, sounds good to me. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Lance. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, no problem. Tell her about it. I said hello. All right, buddy. Good see to see you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportsspectrum.com.